Hey everybody, this is Brian with Mid-City Vineyard Church. Hey, if you want to learn a little bit more about Mid-City Vineyard, you can check us out on Facebook, Mid-City Vineyard Church, Instagram, at Mid-City Vineyard, and then we're also online, midcityvineyard.org. We worship on Sunday mornings at 10 o'clock, 3222 Canal. If you uh, live in Mid-City and you're looking for a people to connect with and a place to practice your faith or just investigate a little bit more, come and join us anytime. Hey, we've been in a series for the last number of weeks entitled, I've Always Wondered, and in this particular series, we uh, ask people in our community of faith to put their questions out there, things that they've always been curious about, things that they've always wondered about when it comes to the Christian faith. And so, the last number of weeks, this has been a really fun series. Uh, Check out some of the podcasts if you're uh, interested in hearing some of those. But for this particular week, the question, and it was one of the more popular questions, was what happens when a person dies? Kind of an interesting thing because it's pretty much a guessing game. But what we did was we took the best we could from the Christian scriptures and we put it together in a way that uh, really Orthodox Christianity has been teaching it this way for forever. And so we're going to look at that this week in the conversation. And uh, over the next couple of weeks, we have a few more questions that we'll be answering. So we're going to head on over to the conversation. Much peace to you. So we've been in this series now for the last couple of weeks. I need notes. And last week, uh, we talked about, the question was, is heaven real or figurative, and who gets to be a part of heaven? And I, you know, I thought it went all right, but I forgot to record it, and so a lot of you have been like, hey, I want to listen to last week. You can't. Uh, I'm sorry, but this week, I, am, I already hit record. And this question came more than any other question. And I figure that this is the, the reason is because this is what uh, many in the room are dealing with. But the question this week was, I've always wondered what actually really happens when a person dies. And so we're going to give our best attempt at this. Now, I want to remind you, I say this every week. I'm giving you the answers as, or the responses as I best understand them. I'm giving you the Christian response, uh, and that's that's. I mean, we're a Christian church, so I'm going to give you the Christian response and what the Christian teaching is uh, on some of these things. Now, the answers that I'm giving, like last week, the thoughts on heaven, and then this week, uh, these are very orthodox answers, but I mentioned last week that even our understanding of heaven has been greatly, just as our understanding of hell has been greatly distorted by uh, popular culture, even not so popular. Like our thoughts on hell, most of those thoughts on hell have been defined to us by Dante's Inferno which was written hundreds and hundreds of years ago. Uh, Our thoughts on heaven oftentimes come more from movies and songs and popular literature than they do from the scriptures, and that's why we unpacked heaven a little bit more last week. And the same is true, I believe, when it comes to uh, what happens when we die. So we're going to look at that for a few minutes today. I have a couple of scriptures, and that's the other thing I just want to say, because when we talked about how to interpret scripture, One of the things that we really talked about is how Scripture is quite possibly more prescriptive than descriptive. And what that means is that oftentimes people try to teach things and they try to make their points using certain Bible verses. But a lot of times they pull those Bible verses out of context. Uh, they're, They're like, see, the Bible clearly says right here, and then they'll read a sentence. And then if you read the chapter before it and you read the chapter after it, you're kind of like, it doesn't seem so clear all of a sudden. And yet, even today, 
the only way really to talk about heaven in some of these ways is to look at particular verses. But as I mentioned when we read the scripture, the understanding for Christians over all of the centuries has been that the scriptures really can't just be dissected, one little scripture here and one little scripture there, but we have to look at the whole of scripture. Genesis, all the way through Revelation, begin to try to understand what does the entire narrative convey to us. And there are thoughts about heaven, there are thoughts about hell, there are thoughts about what happens when a person dies, when you look at the narrative on the whole. So we're going to try that today. And in order to do this, we have to kind of go back to understanding what the original purpose uh, uh, in creation is from the very beginning. And we go back to Genesis 1 and 2, just like we did last week. Understanding that in the very beginning, the understanding from the creation myth is that God creates creation. God is the creator of all, and God is the one who creates creation, creates human beings, creates ultimately earth, and earth and human beings, and all, this, all of this creation is designed by God out of love, God's desire to love. God <coughs> creates out of God's own being. Now, listen, how creation came to be about, we, we've gone through this, but Genesis 1 and 2 are narratives, and the main point is God is good. God's creation is very good. God loves people, and people are designed to rule the earth with God. That is, that's what we've gathered from Genesis 1 and 2. In Genesis 1, we see that there's a garden. It's the, called the Garden of Eden, and this garden is known as paradise in Genesis 1 and 2. And human beings were created to live on a physical earth. Like you were actually created to live on a physical earth, to actually breathe oxygen. This, uh, you were created to stay alive by drinking water. I mean, these are, this is basic, how basic humanity works. And there's a very important point that we have to always remember is that God did not create human spirit and then say, wow, I need somewhere to put this spirit. Let me build a body around it. It's fascinating, but in Genesis 2-7, it says that God created a body and then said, hmm, let me breathe spirit and breathe life into this body. And when God does that, the, the word is uh, ruah or ruach, and God breathes God's own spirit, God's own life into flesh and bone, meaning that human beings are created to live on the earth. We weren't created like angels. We weren't created like robots. We weren't created like, we are created to live right here. Like this is our home. That's the whole deal. That's how God designed it. We're designed to live in physical bodies. If we were to take you out of your physical body, we would say that you're kind of not a whole person anymore. I mean, would you agree with that? If you don't have your physical body any longer, you're not a whole person. And so what has happened uh, is that there's been this idea, especially we get this through movies and we get this through these kind of, is that ultimately the ultimate goal is to have some kind of disembodied connection to God. But if we were to look in Scripture all the way, Genesis all the way through Revelation, we understand and we will begin to see that we're not created to be disembodied figures, which is why we talked last week about 
We don't go to like heaven is not going to get your own cloud and get your own harp and have an endless church service forever. Remember that? Because we all agreed that an endless church service sounds terrible. I, I think I agreed on that, right? So what is, how does all this, what, is, what does this mean? Well, there is this idea that there is a future heaven. The idea is that one day, the scriptures tell us this over and over again, the prophets talk about it, the apostle uh, St. Paul talks about it, Pastor uh, John the Revelator talks about it, but that there will come a day when all is said and done that Christ will return and that there will be a new heaven and a new earth. This earth will be restored, redeemed, reclaimed by God. There is actually to be, according to the scripture, a physical resurrection so that people who have died and their body is lying in a, in a grave somewhere, which has turned to dust now, there, that there, there will be a physical resurrection of sorts on a redeemed earth with God. And the book of Revelation chapter 21 and 22 says that God will once again dwell on the earth with his people. He will be their God and they will be his people. And people will be restored back to that place in Genesis 1 and 2 where creation rules, humans rule with God over the earth. Now, if you haven't heard this kind of stuff in a while, it's because more than likely we've been more brought in by the movies. We've been more brought in by the disembodied kind of thing. But disembodiment, where there was actually this whole teaching, uh, it's a platonic thought from Plato, uh, and the Gnostics, and you might have heard that word Gnosticism, or the Gnostics took great hold of this in New Testament times where there was this idea that the body is evil. Evil resides in the body, and so the idea was we've got to get away from our physical body. But that would distort the very thing that God created. And God is much more into redeeming things than destroying things. And so that's part of the process of Jesus, incarnation, the cross, God's way of redeeming and reconciling all things to God's self. So those who have already died, we're going somewhere with this. Those who have already died, one day, new heavens and new earth, there will be a resurrection of the dead. Paul talks about this in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. So let me read a couple of passages to you so that uh, I'm not thrown into the total heretic camp. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 35 through 38. And a little subtitle that they conveniently came up with. Paul did not write the subtitles to these chapters uh, some other church people did, but it's called the resurrection body. And Paul says this, listen, some are going to ask, well, wait a minute, how are the dead raised, and what kind of body uh, will, will they have? And he says, listen, what you sow does not come to life unless it dies. And when you sow, you don't plant uh, the body that will be just as a seed, perhaps a weed, or perhaps of wheat or something else. But God gives it a body as he has determined, and to each kind of seed he gives its own body. And then Paul goes on to say, listen, we won't, we won't all sleep, but there will come a time where we will all be changed. We will all be changed into Christ's likeness. And so in this, in the, throughout this passage, Paul is saying, listen, there's this whole idea that some people are going to die, and when they die, it's like a seed, like an acorn. We talked about this a few weeks ago. An acorn falls into the ground, it dies, and it comes back once again. New life sprouts forth into the form of a tree. And so Paul's saying, listen, there's going to be a time when you're going to die. Last we checked, the death rate is 100%. Like, everybody gets there. 
Okay, like this is this is going to happen. You're going to die at some point. You know those who have died, and your body will rest. And we'll talk about what's going to happen to the soulful spirit part in a minute. But then there will be a day when there will be a resurrection of the body. Now, if this is hard to wrap your brain around, I want you to think about Jesus the Christ as the prototype. Because this is what Jesus is doing in the New Testament. Jesus comes and he shows us what it looks like to live a life fully surrendered to God. A life filled with the presence of God. And then Jesus goes to the cross. Jesus dies on the cross. Jesus' body is laid in a tomb. Three days later, Jesus' being is reunited with Jesus' body, and Jesus comes back from the dead. And this ultimately is the prototype. This is kind of like this is this is God's way of saying, "Hey, this is what I'm doing." Like we're going we're doing a fast forward version with Jesus, and this is what I'm doing with all of creation, with all people. To die, to eventually come back. So I don't know if you're aware of this or not, but the Sadducees and the Pharisees and all these gurus in the in the New Testament, like there were fights over this stuff. The Sadducees were like, they would try to trap Jesus. Jesus, do you believe in the resurrection of the dead? Because we don't. And the Pharisees were like, well, yeah, that, like that that's something. That's a pretty typical Jewish thought. We've always thought that that there's something that happens after. You see, so there were all these fights have always been going on. Here's what I've come to realize, though, after doing literally hundreds of funerals over the last 20 years. It's kind of interesting because it's like we kind of think we believe this might happen, but let's be honest, it, it sounds pretty sci-fi. I mean, I, I think it does. So then we say, well, I know my loved one is gone right now, and I don't see them coming back to life right now, so where's my loved one right now? That's really the question. Because very few of us, you know, are really ultimately concerned about what's going to happen to us. Like, we feel like, oh, I feel, eh, I, I might be okay. But, or maybe you're really concerned. But most of the time we're asking this for our loved ones. So I want to talk about that for just a minute. Because if the new heavens and new earth aren't here yet, then what happens when you die? Here's my best response. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 8, St. Paul says this. He says, listen, to be... Absent from the physical body is to be present with God. To be absent from this body, so if you no longer have breath in these lungs, St. Paul says that somehow, some way, your being, your personhood, your body is laid in the ground or your body is cremated and placed in, in um, what's it called? An urn or scattered but your, your, your personhood is present to the divine. Your personhood is present with God. In Philippians 1.23, St. Paul says it like this. He says, listen, I would love to keep living here on the earth, but he says, but I got to be honest, like this life is really hard sometimes. And there are times where I really think I'd rather just be kind of done with this part of life so I can be fully present with God. And depending on where you find yourself in life, some days... You have those thoughts, and other days you're so filled with life and, and, and joy and excitement and peace that you hope that day doesn't come soon. I mean, you know, we, but it, we all come at this from different angles. It's just, where are you right now? And then here's an interesting one. In Luke chapter 24, you might be familiar with this, but Jesus is hanging on the cross, and there's this 
story there where there's, there's these two thieves that are hanging on both sides of the cross next to Jesus. And one of the thieves looks to Jesus and says, Jesus, today, would you remember me after we have, have breathed our last breath? And Jesus says, today, you will be with me in paradise. Now, that's a really weird one, and I, but I love it too. Because to me, that's one of those passages where it's like, this dude's like, he just, he just barely turns his eyes towards Jesus, and Jesus says, hey, we're going to be, we're going to like hang out, and you'll be with me. You'll be right there with me. So when you die, do you transcend all of a sudden? Like, does new earth and new heaven, like, happen in, in an instant, and, and time has no bearing, and there's no physical space or place? I don't, I don't know. <laughs> Just, I don't know. I, I, I've never done it before, <coughs> which makes it hard to answer. But this is what many Christians believe and have believed for a long time. There seems to be some type of transitional period. It's called, in Christian circles and in Orthodox circles, in many ways, it's called like an intermediate heaven or a present heaven. Now remember, heaven, as we defined it, is the place where things are as God intends them to be. Which is why we pray, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Because we believe as followers of the resurrected Christ that our one of our roles is to see heaven come to earth now. And what that means is we believe our role is to see things operating on earth as God intends them to be. So there might be this intermediate space. <laughs> this is where it gets really fun. Have any of you ever heard of string theory? Okay, science, okay. So string theory is this idea that there are, and, and scientists have, have proven this, or they're working, but there is this theory that there are actually multiple dimensions, kind of multiple universes, multiple dimensions, and we can't really see into them, but they exist. The other place you might have understood string theory is in uh, Mar the Marvel Universe. <laughs> or, <laughs> or in other comic universes. Now, I, I know this is crazy, but science has even shown that, like, so in Marvel moments, there are multiple universes. So Superman can live in this universe, and Superman can also, not Superman? Oh, Marvel. Oh, okay. If you're gonna, if you're gonna do a nerd illustration, you have to do it right. Spider-Man can live in multiple universes and they never cross one another unless they're into the multiverse. Okay. Scratch the Superman thing. Now listen, listen. I know this gets weird. But I want you to hang with me for a minute. Because we talk about this all the time, the kingdom of God literally being a dimension that is right here. The way of God being right here. It's, it's within our grasp, and oftentimes we can't see it, but it's right there. Do you remember there was a story in the book of Acts where there was a man by the name of Stephen, and he was a Christ follower, and the Pharisees decided to kill him because of his claims about Christ. And so what they did was they threw him into a pit, and they picked up stones, and they started to throw these stones at him. That's how they killed this man, Stephen, is by stoning him to death and throwing these stones at him. And in Acts chapter 7, verse 54, it says that this man, Stephen, it says that his eyes were opened 
where he could see Jesus standing at the right hand of God the Father. And with peace in his heart, as stones are being launched at his skull, he was able to give himself over to God. And he, he died a gruesome, violent death, and it seems that he died in the most peaceful of all ways. Because, and what, what many scholars believe, is that whatever that dimension is, that curtain, that veil, was pulled back just enough that Stephen could see into it. And I would suggest that you and I have probably experienced something like this in our own lives before. Now, you might not have seen with your physical eyes, but have you ever had an experience where the peace that you experienced was so intense and so great, or the love that you experienced in a particular moment was so intense and so great, or the healing that you experienced in a moment was so intense and so great that it almost felt like you were... You were in a space and place where there was something greater at work than, than you can conjure up on your own, I would suggest to you that what you are experiencing is a deeper understanding of the presence and the reality of God and God's kingdom and the way God does things. And it's just every now and then this veil, this curtain is pulled back. Well, this would be considered oftentimes this realm, this, this heavenly space, this space where things are as God intends them to be. And so people who, who die today, new heavens and new earth isn't here yet. But people who pass from, from this life and transition to the next part of life, scripturally speaking, it seems as though those the, the, the personhood of that person enters right into this space and place where God is fully present. Where there is peace and there is love <coughs> And there is grace, and there is beauty, and there is presence. It's this, it's this thing where I'm going, I, I, I'm resting there, but that's not the end of the story. Because ultimately, when this, when this earth thing, the first go-round plays out, I don't know how this works, guys. This is just what I gather from Scripture. That Christ is going to return, and that all those folks in that intermediate space, will be, they will be given new resurrected bodies will be back on earth together experiencing all the stuff of love and mercy and grace and peace with and fully in union in union and unity with God so how does that work well think of it like this if I were to say to you hey uh, Christy and I are taking a trip we're going to Chicago and we have a layover and where do you have layovers everywhere any if you need to get anywhere you got to go to Houston so we're going to go to Chicago, but we gotta we have to go to Houston first. Well, we get to the ticket counter at the New Orleans airport, and they say, where are you headed? What are we going to say? Well, we're headed to Chicago. We're not headed to Houston. That's not where we're going. We're going to Chicago, but we have to go through Houston. It might kind of be like that with, you know what, we're headed. We are headed to new heavens and new earth. We're headed to Chicago. But in order to get there, there's this intermediate space perhaps, it's Houston. It's better. It's it's better than Atlanta, because everything is better than Atlanta, right? But it's still a layover. A, a better example might be this. A better example might be this. Hurricane Katrina comes and destroys New Orleans, and where did we all evacuate to? Houston. <laughs> And when we were in Houston, this is our story, while we were in Houston, our home was destroyed. Like, our city was destroyed, but our home, our 
personally, our home was flooded, a tornado hit our home, like our, our home was, was destroyed. And so we spent the next year putting the pieces back together. So we go to Houston, and then we go to Baton Rouge, but ultimately our final destination was to come back to our home on 27th Street in New Orleans. And when we finally returned, that home had been rebuilt. That home had been restored. That home was more beautiful than it had ever been before that storm hit. Not only with that, but the city that we came back to had a new vibrancy, a new kind of life, a new uh, a newness to it. This would be much like new heavens and new earth. You go, you spend some time in that, in that temporary place, and then there we are. We come back to the new heaven, the new earth, the new creation. Now, what does this do for me? I would suggest to you that for anyone in the room who has lost, lost loved ones, that your loved ones are in Houston. <laughs> Some type of beautiful space connected to God. They are experiencing love and grace and health and mercy forgiveness, life, and it's, it's, it's good. Some people say, well, what are, I have some questions about that. Like, do they, do they know what's going on? There seems to be some type of evidence from the scripture that, yeah, they, they, they're able to see what's happening and they're able to know what's going on, but they're able to do it, I don't understand this works, in a way that they're not bogged down or distraught or discouraged by the things that are taking place. But they're, but they're in the presence of God experiencing a certain type of peace that, that comes with God's full presence. I actually believe that in, in many ways that those who are in that intermediate space, they probably do pray. And they probably pray for us. You know, I, I used to think people, honestly, I, I used to think when people would say, like, I really think that my loved one is looking over me. I'd be like, oh, that's, that's, uh, that's movie stuff. I actually think that's like kind of more... Jesus-y stuff. I really do. I, I think that there's something to, because there's a dimension, and if that's true, and listen, I could be wrong about that, but if you go there and you, you feel okay with that, I'm, I think it's okay. Now, I don't, I don't encourage praying to your father that has passed or your aunt that has passed, uh, because I think that we have direct access straight to Jesus, the Christ, uh, and we can pray straight to God, so my encouragement is pray. Your prayer is right there. But are those that have gone before us, do, are, are they aware of what's going on? I think so. Some people have asked, well, when we get there, will we know one another? Here's my take on that. I think that God is so relational. Everything about God is so relational. I don't know why that would change in new heavens and new earth. I do think that we will know one another. And we'll remember life experiences that we shared together. You know, and, and we'll, you know, like, we'll have those connections. Why would God, I, I mean, relationships are hard. Would you agree? Like, they're hard. And if we're going to go through all that difficulty and confrontation and conflict resolution and all that stuff right here, it's got to be worth something. I think there's going to be something to it. Some ask, well, will we be married to the same people? That's a harder one because some of us have been married, well, some of you have been married more than once. So who would you be married to? You know, <laughs> see, the, the, 
So there is some stuff in the scripture about there not being marriage in the new heavens and new earth. And for those who have lovely, beautiful, amazing marriages, you go like, well, that sounds awful. But for those of you who have really difficult, challenging marriages, you're like, that sounds amazing. So I think we could go either which way. But Jesus seems to say there won't be marriage, but that ultimately the body of Christ will be connected to God in a way that marriage isn't needed. But would, will Christy and I still share a deeper connection? I don't know. I think we probably will because it goes back to that relational thing. I mean, Christy knows things about me that you guys will never know on purpose. So it's like, you know, it's like, I, I, does that, I, but listen, I can only do what I can do here with what the scripture says. I have no firsthand experience. So we, we just kind of, we put some of these pieces together. I think for me, the biggest thing, and I, this is where I come back down to with doing so many funerals, is that your loved ones, I think they're doing well. I think they're doing well, and the biggest basis I have for that is because I believe that God is really good and just and beautiful and caring, and we're not disembodied beings that just just float around. I, I think that there's this thing, there's this connection that we have with God when we leave this space and place and we ultimately come back to this space and place to, to reign with God. That, I believe, is true orthodox understanding to the best that people have been able to understand it over the years. I mean, it's, you know, you can read all kinds of stuff about near-death experiences. You can go watch all those movies. I don't really have an opinion on that stuff. Um, I'm a, I'm a huge cynic when it comes to lots of stuff, so I, I, I'm probably not the guy to, to answer those questions for you. Um, but I, the more I get to know God, the more I believe that those who are apart from the body are truly present with God. There's one last question that people ask me all the time. What about purgatory? Yeah, you know what? We taught on hell a number of weeks ago. If there is, if there is a place of purgatory, I do not believe that you can find anywhere in the scripture that the more you pray them out of purgatory is how they get out, and the better they are in purgatory is how they get out. The, 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 a, a, a deeper understanding of purgatory would be a resting space where people continue to grow in love and mercy and kindness, and they are connected to God in that, in that phase and place. The teaching, the, the Catholic teaching on purgatory, um, our brothers and sisters in the Catholic Church have taught a purgatory that, that really got sideways, especially in the 1500s where you had to, you could buy yourself out of purgatory. That, that's no, okay? That's like, <laughs> no. No, I have no words because that's, that's, that's nowhere. You can't find that anywhere in scripture uh, that God wants your money to get you out of purgatory, okay? So if there's a purgatory, if that's a thing that exists, then it's, it could be also the, 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 the side of intermediate heaven that we continue to be formed in Christ-likeness. I can, I can latch on a little bit to that because even in new heavens and new earth, I'm kind of convinced that even in new heavens and new earth, we're all going to keep growing in Christ-likeness. There's always going to be this growing in kindness and more patience and, and, and goodness and learning to love even, even more. Because we'll never be able to outlove God. 
And I think God just continues to grow us and shape us and form us in those ways and in those things. Thank you.